Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Casey Georgeson is the founder of Scent Jane, a luxury beauty line comprised of potent botanicals to deeply nourish your skin. Today, discover how Casey merged skincare chic with holistic mindfulness in the world of Scent Jane. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you're an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's delight to introduce your guest for today, Casey Georgeson. She's the founder of St. Jane, a mindful luxury beauty line, and Casey formulated her own non-toxic, vegan, and cruelty-free serum that became the brand's hero launch product. Containing highly active botanicals, Casey has discovered an effective way to combat the most troubling skin issues in the chicest packaging for today's luxury beauty lover. I love that there's also more to this mission of empowerment. St. Jane was named after the real-life saint who lived in the 1500s and was also known for incredible healing abilities. In honor of her holistic approach to healing women, St. Jane not only uses centuries-old plant-based ingredients, but also supports causes like the Loveland Foundation, National Bailout, and Girls Crushing It to provide girls and women with a brighter future. I have so much respect for what Casey is championing, and I cannot wait to learn more. So Casey... Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Akash. Wow, that was quite an intro. I I, I want to hire you. Your copywriting skills are absolutely incredible. <laughs> it was an amazing intro. Oh, I have to give all credit to Priyanka, who works with my team for that. But thank you. I mean, it makes it easier when you have someone like you who's just done a lot and created an amazing brand. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. So my first question I ask all my guests and um, I know it's some people find it easy. Some people find it tough, but I'm going to ask it is who in a nutshell is Casey? Oh, good question. Well, I would say ever since I was young, I've been an incredibly fundamentally happy person. It's been something that has been the common thread throughout my life. I just have this steady state of feeling optimistic and excited about the future. Uh, I would say that I am 
very passionate about being inspired by things in my life. And a lot of that comes from, you know, my, my background, my family, how I was raised. I have this incredible balance of, you know, entrepreneurship in my family with, uh, people who have dedicated their lives to giving back. I would say the entrepreneurship on my father's side and the giving back on my mom's side. And it's really become the core of my character. My great grandmother was a mail order bride from Italy who came over in 1900 and married my grandfather on the spot in San Francisco, uh, sight unseen. They didn't know each other. And they went on to have seven children. And while her husband was away, her kids were grown she decided to walk into the Bank of Italy and get a $10,000 loan to start a wine business. They were growing grapes and she gave half of it to her sons to start Franzia Brothers Winery and half of it to her son-in-law to start Gallo. Her son-in-law was Ernest Gallo. And so this little four foot 10 mail order bride, my great grandmother, uh, on her own while her husband was away, started two of the largest wine companies in the world And she's been this sort of fierce female entrepreneurship role model in my life since I was a child. I never knew her, but her legacy, her family legacy has been part of really shaping my character. And then on, you know, on my mom's side, I have this, um, you know, my, my grandparents were in medicine and they would spend time volunteering on the USS Hope uh, in Guatemala. And it was just, I would go down to Mexico with my grandfather and build homes for, for families. And it's just been a part of who I am, this kind of combination of entrepreneurship and give back and really being inspired by people and the people around me. Oh, I literally have goosebumps. Like it's so nice to hear how also you've been so open about how the family has influenced you and made you who you are today. Cause I think that's so important to acknowledge, but also to draw your inspiration from, because it is really that generational wisdom that we get passed on that definitely influences who we are and can make us stronger and better. So I love that. And I think, you know, I didn't realize that whole story, especially with the the history in wine, because that makes a bit clearer when I read about you are like the creative force behind Cupcake Vineyards uh, for the wine group. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So I started my career as a journalist, actually. I was a producer for the morning show on CNN in New York, American Morning. And when I decided to leave New York, it was because my dear, dear uncle uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And so I left my job, came back to San Francisco. I thought I would go right back to New York. And, but he uh, was battling cancer. And so I wanted to be there for my family. And while I was there, I helped him write a book. And I also started a job in innovation, this newly created innovation role for the wine group, which is one of the large wine companies here in the U.S. And he, um, he was the chairman of that company. And he had me meet the marketing team and they said, oh, we need you to help us with new wine brands. And so it was a non-existent team. It was a non-existent role. And I came in as a journalist and my mission was to create brands that appealed to young people. And so I, Cupcake was one of the brands that I created while I was there before I left for business school, because that was my next um, adventure. And Cupcake went on to really, really succeed in the industry. It's the number one Sauvignon Blanc in the world. And um, it does very, very well. So that was a really fun brand. And the idea was that I wanted to create a brand that appealed 
to women. That was fun. That was delightful. I had just left the West Village in New York, right around the corner from Magnolia Bakery. And Oprah was writing about cupcakes. And it was just this massive trend. And I thought, cupcake, what a cool, what a cool name for a wine. Everybody was against me. Everybody in the company. They were like, sounds like a dessert wine. What is this brand you've come up with? It's so silly. And uh, there was there were a couple of people on the sales team who were like, I see this, and they sold it into Cost Plus, and the rest is history. It became you know a huge success. But uh, yeah, that was one of that was the first brand I ever created that really went on to do very very well. Oh, amazing! Well, and I think also it's good to stick to your guns because see the sales prove itself; it works. And I think a lot of people uh, are a bit you know want to do the status quo, but I think you need visionaries like you to be like, you know what, no. We're going we're gonna to try. There's it. something here, right? Don't give up on it. There's something here. 100%. No, I love that. And um, I also know you, you, did a, you had an MBA at Stanford, am I correct? Yes, I went to Stanford. I was probably the only student at Stanford who was legit convinced I was going to fail out because I had no math background, no Excel background, no finance background. I was a journalist and at that point, a, a very new marketer. And so I learned a lot in business school. I was one of the people who really learned the language of business. And I remember a financial modeling professor coming up to me as I was trying to figure out Excel. And he was like, yeah, just sum this equation. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he was like, oh, dear, you don't even know. It. Literally, I was the only person at Stanford who didn't know Excel. But I learned it. And here we are. That's the most important. You learn it. And <laughs> it's, it's how quick you learn. And then if you learn it and you know it, that's what matters. Because the people who think they know it and they don't really know it. So it's better to at least be open to learning as opposed to the other way around. So that's good. But I also know you got an internship, I think it was unpaid, but at Sephora during your time then headquarters. So I think that was really quite maybe full planning. I don't know, but that's pretty cool. How did that happen? Yeah. So I was, my husband, my now husband at the, at that time, boyfriend really didn't want to move back to the East coast. I had planned on going back to New York and going back to journalism and he was really San Francisco focused. So I said, okay, let me, let me think about San Francisco. What might I want to do now and reinventing my career? And I'd always loved Sephora. I shopped Sephora Soho when I was in New York. I spent so much time there. I thought this is just the most exciting, most fun place for women. All my friends in New York called me Ask Allure because I had a beauty hack for just about everything. Such a beauty junkie. And I had a friend that worked there um, who's now the president of Biosance. And she was like, just come in, just meet the color team. Let's see if there could be a fit. So I went in, met with uh, Courtney Baber, who's the founder of Root Beauty now. And she said, you know, we don't really have MBA interns. We've never had one before, but, and we don't have a program for it. So we can't really pay you, but we'll pay you in makeup. And I said, okay, great. I will. Sounds good. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And uh, at the end of the summer, they, she paid me in makeup and it was, it was a, it was an amazing learning experience. I got to know the ins and outs of Sephora, which is a very unique place and, Ultimately, when I graduated, it was my number one choice for where I wanted to work. And I did. I, I, I got a job after I graduated with the newly formed Kendo team, which is now mm-hmm. giant at the time was tiny. I think I was like the fifth employee. So but it really did. It, it, it inspired me that summer inspired me to go into the beauty industry. And I knew that I had a really big passion for it. I think we have a lot of similarities, especially with the love for beauty, because I remember when, when I especially with Kendo and then Mark Jacobs and as part of LVMH and then when they got Fenty when they were doing the Fenty stuff I was like wow this is like a dream like one day have like a kind of incubator accelerator group behind some of the biggest new kind of future forward thinking brands 
amazing. So that that was a yeah, definitely must have been a really cool experience to be working alongside that. Um, but then I'm really curious to see how you know your love for beauty and you know especially a desire to launch in Sephora. How did that turn into you actually deciding to create a brand? Well, it's interesting because I worked at Kendo for a number of years and I was, you know, I had a front row seat to the development of all of those brands. I worked with Mark Jacobs creating his brand with him and was incredible. I mean, he is unbelievable. And that process was so incredible. And I learned a lot. I, you know, I did Elizabeth and James Fragrance, Marquesa, Disney for Sephora, Kat Von D, Hello Kitty. Uh, we, we did so, so much in that amount of time. But I I had two out of my three daughters at the time, and I was traveling all over the place. And it was really putting a strain on um, our family life. My husband was starting a company. And so I decided, I made a very conscious choice to take a step back out of that role. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done because I felt like that role was so perfect for me, this liaison between these brand founders like Marc Jacobs and the beauty world. And it was my role to imagine their brands in the beauty space. And so it was very difficult. It was so hard to leave that team, but I did. And uh, I still consulted with them, but I started uh, also consulting in the wine industry, going back to creating brands. The wine group came back and said, we'd love you to create more cupcakes. I was like, okay, well, we'll try. That's That was a big brand. Uh, so I, I, I worked as a consultant and I was in this world of consulting, working for Sephora, working for the wine group. And I, I really was in balance mode. I wanted to focus on, I always wanted to work and be creative and have that outlet, but I also needed to make sure that my daughters were, uh, you know, whole people. And I wasn't feeling like I was leaving them, you know, somehow um, less, less than paid attention to, et cetera. And so it was around 20 16 that I started having a lot of friends come to me and say, you've created so many brands. When are you going to create your own brand? And I kept saying, no, 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 there's no way. I just had my third daughter. We were in a house remodel. Life is too crazy. There's no way. But it sort of planted a seed. And one of my friends who's a brand founder, she is a brand founder of a big beauty brand. She was like, of all the people I know, you need to start a beauty brand. You've done so much. And people come to me all the time saying they want to start brands. But like, why haven't you done it? And she kept pushing me for like six months. What's your idea? What's your idea? And I didn't feel like I had one. And I felt very anxious starting a brand given what I knew it would take as a founder. As you know, it is absolute chaos. And I knew I didn't want something that was going to take me away from my my daughters and my husband. And so I was at a retreat with a number of women. And one of the women there said to me, you want to create a brand, you're worried about it taking time away from your daughters, why don't you just include your daughters in your in your brand, have them be a part of it, have them help you have them be part of the journey. And so I did. And that was when the light bulb went off. And I said, Okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to involve the girls in whatever way they feel inspired to be involved. And, uh, and I came up with the idea for St. Jane very quickly. I was really toying with the idea of creating a brand around uh, wine ingredients, just given, you know, my hundred year family history in wine. But I was reading an article and it was a pop sugar article. And the headline of the article was CBD is nature's Xanax meets Advil. And I was like, what is this ingredient? Need to know more. Let me go deep. That day, I went to a dispensary in San Francisco and really discovered CBD. And I thought, okay, 
it, there was this list of all of the benefits at the dispensary. There was this list of all the benefits of CBD, reducing inflammation, helping heart health, immunity, boosting gut, um, it, boosting gut health, sleep, pain, even reducing, you know, tumor cells in Petri dishes. And I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, if CBD does even one of these things that this list is saying it does, it's the most exciting ingredient of our time. And why is nobody doing this yet? And I just found the, the guts to, to do it and take the leap. And it was the clear, most clear idea for a brand I've ever had. It came together so quickly. I realized there was this space for elevating um, florals and botanicals and CBD being one of them in this space that no one had gone into. And and it and it came together very very quickly. And I'm so glad as well. Like you, you know, you've helped so many companies and all industries create brands. And to do it for yourself, it's 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 hard because especially having had such success, you could always there's demons in your head being like, okay, I've done it, but you know, can I do it again? Can I do it again? And you know, you've shown and proven you can. You can consistent you know consistently prove to yourself that you can. But also you have to sometimes simplify it. Like I think people get in the head a lot when they have a great idea, like, yeah, but no, 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 actually no. And I think what you've said is, yeah, got an idea. I know what I want to do. Okay, let's do it. For those people that are listening, how do you actually convince yourself that I've got this idea, I know it can work, I believe in it. Now, how do I actually just do it? Well, the, the one thing that was so salient in my mind was, I'm going to do this for as long as it feels right. If it stops feeling right, I'm going to stop doing it. But I had this unbelievable fire to do it. And there was also something about, for me, it's a strange thing. When I turned 40, I'm 44 now. When I turned 40, I stopped caring about a lot of things that I cared about before. It was an interesting reset. And I remember hearing Gwyneth Paltrow talk about it on one of her podcasts, one of her Goop podcasts. I remember hearing her talk about when she hit 40, it was this great reset. And it was crazy because the same thing happened to me where I used to always love being in my 20s and in my 30s. I was the producer. I was the one behind the scenes. I was never, I never wanted to be on camera, even though they asked me a hundred times. I never wanted to be the one presenting. I always wanted to be behind the scenes, the wizard behind the curtain. I wanted other people to be first and 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 the face. And there was something about turning 40 where I was like, I don't really care what people think anymore. I know there's going to be a lot of people who critique this, who critique me, who critique my decisions, who it's going to, I'm opening myself up. And my dad used to always say the further up, you know, the, the tree, the monkey climbs, the more of is, you know, what you see. And so always be humble, always be understated. And I was like, okay, that was how I led my life. And when you start a brand and you're a founder and you have to put yourself out there, you have to let go of a lot of these fears that you've had and these narratives that you've told yourself your whole life. And at 40, I just kind of, I really did stop caring. And I wish I had had that philosophy earlier. You know, we, we talk a lot about future self and how do you talk to your younger self? If you could, what would you say? And the biggest thing is nothing matters. Nothing matters except how you feel. And I had a um, an anchor that I worked for at CNN named Jack Cafferty, who was an incredible kind of mentor to me. And he used to always say, it's, you know, Casey, all of this is you know, all these problems, all these mistakes, all these stories you tell yourself. It's like peeing in the ocean. You're the only one who cares. No one else cares. That's so true. I love that. <laughs> and I just thought that is so true. Yeah, it's so true. And so 
I wish I had learned that earlier, but that was one of the things that I told myself as I started this brand was just keep going, just keep going, block out the noise. Unfortunately, I also blocked out a lot of the wins in that first year. I just kept this tunnel vision of let's keep going, let's keep building, let's keep, let's keep going. And, um, and I didn't allow myself to, to feel as much as I, in, in a good way, I didn't feel, you know, some of the hits that came, but I also didn't feel uh, some of the wins. So, um, but yeah, I think it's really about kind of this relentless pursuit of the passion that you have for, for your idea and know that that passion is what's going to keep you going. You have to have that passion as your continuous thread because the highs are high, the lows are low. And the passion is what gets you through it. That's fantastic. I mean, literally that statement, nothing, nothing matters except what you think. And then tethering that to the fact that you just started by saying, which I love, um, you know, you're going to do it for as long as, you know, you want to do it. And then when, you, when the one or the desire stops, then something else can happen. So it hasn't got that ex- so much pressure, but it also it's putting yourself in your own sort of, yeah, your own vision and your own enjoyment at the forefront. I think that's what people have to remember. The other thing that was a big aha for me about, I want to say it was about seven months into launching the brand. I was on the treadmill and I was so stressed about the Sephora launch not working or our new product launch. There was a product we were launching. I was so concerned it wasn't going to work. I remember I had this aha as I was running. I was like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work. And I write a book or I write a blog about the journey of creating something that's like, you know, shooting star and the rise and the fall of it. And then I was like, no matter what, it's going to be okay. We're healthy. You know, we're whole, we're going to be okay. And we have to try. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's a, that's one, one avenue. It could not work, but then there's also the avenue that it could work. So focusing on, you know, if it doesn't work, it's still not that bad. It can really help people overcome that kind of initial hurdle of just starting, which I think is the hardest part. But talking about starting, I would love to know the inspiration um, in terms of like, we, I already spoke about in the intro about how St. Jane, the name came to be, but also like how you got to it and why you chose the name St. Jane. So it started initially as the innocent side of Mary Jane, because I felt so passionately that CBD was a vitamin. And when I started the brand, it was a schedule one substance, just like heroin. So when I first started formulating with it and these boxes of white powder would arrive to my house, I was like, okay, fingers crossed. I hope I don't get raided by the, you know, DEA. And, and it was when the, you know, the farm bill passed that things lightened up a bit, but so the name started as the innocent side of that, the innocent side of Mary Jane, that it's a good for you ingredient. It's non-psychoactive, the innocent side of all of this. Let's talk about it. It was meant to spur a conversation. But almost immediately after that idea, we realized that St. Jane was an actual saint, which you mentioned. She lived in the 1500s in France, and she dedicated her whole life to healing women. And it was all about healing. She helped women who society shunned. So the very old, the very sick, unwed mothers. And it was this light bulb that went off around, we've got this incredible bouquet of florals that have been used for centuries to heal the skin. And we've got this woman as our muse who dedicated her whole life to healing women's skin, or healing women. And so the skincare was born out of that healing centric approach. And I think that that combination of the innocent side of Mary Jane plus this 
dedication to healing is what's been completely rooted in our products since we launched. It's all about getting to the core of, of skin issues and not, and then beyond that, you know, I talk a lot about inspiration because that's what keeps me going. It's, it's the give back to women. It's helping women be whole. It's inspiring them through Instagram, which is a big platform, you know, of messaging. It's, it's about inspiration. It's about helping people. And, and that's really where the brand makes me feel, feel good. And I think we're being true to the ethos of it, to the St. Jane ethos. And, you know, I'd love to also know about how the Sephora rollout came to be, because, you know, you worked in the past with them. And um, was it always just that if you were going to create a beauty brand and you know, when you started to create your own one, was Sephora like tunnel vision? Forget any other retailer. It's Sephora. That's the one I want. Oh, yes. I mean, Sephora, I feel at this point, Sephora is in my DNA. It was not an easy path, no, though, no, I will yep. say. I mean, it was not a it was not a given that this brand was going to launch there, despite my history. It was, I felt very, very grateful that they believed in the mission of the brand and that they saw what I was trying to create. I think it helped that we were early in, in the world of CBD brands, especially you know, at the time, this was 2018 when we started having these discussions. It was still very, very early. And then I think we, but we had to really prove that we were ready for, for Sephora. And I would say, arguably, we weren't in a lot of ways. We, we launched the brand in January. We launched in Sephora in May. It was so fast. And I am so grateful to them for their partnership because I couldn't have done it without that team holding our hands and helping us through those, those early, you know, kind of setup months. Um, but Sephora has been such a megaphone for St. Jane and there's magic behind the, you probably feel this way too. When Sephora believes in you, you feel like the sky's the limit. It's so incredible. And their partnership is, is everything to us. I mean, we really, really value it. We're really grateful for it. Yeah, it's, so true. It's, it's really unmatched. It's as, as a retailer, or I, I like to say as a family, cause they really are, you know, they really care about the brand as if it's their own. They give you kind of unprecedented advice that, you know, you can choose to take or not, but you would be kind of naive not to take because they have the data. They know what's best also for their retail landscape. But it's just also that mecca of a kind of kid's candy shop for when it comes to beauty lovers around the world. Um, and sales are proven that. And that's, I think, the hard part is actually launching in Sephora is hard. But once you're in it, maintaining in Sephora, growing in Sephora, keeping up to potential demand in Sephora is another whole kind of conversation, especially as a startup, you know, we're not, when you're not part of a giant that's got unlimited cash flow and when well, not limited, but a lot of cash flow, it's going to be tricky. So I would love to know like how your launch went. And I think, I know I read online, it was like one of the most successful stories of launch. And then I just want to know how it felt like and what it was. Yeah, it was, I mean, I look back on it. I'm like, wow, in it, it was, a, it felt like a roller coaster. But looking back, it was one of those examples of I wish I had let myself feel the winds of that launch, because it was really exciting. And I remember being so stressed every Sunday, I would open up my product activity report, and I would just hold my breath until I saw the sales. And I wasn't sure what to even make of the sales. I didn't know if we were doing well or not. And then there were these moments where we would get, you know, just these little cheerleading emails or phone calls from the team and just how exciting you guys are doing great. And that year was really that first year we were online only. It was really fun. And then we made the 
plans to launch in store in January, February of 2020, which was, you know, an, an incredible um, moment for our brand to think, oh my gosh, we're going to be in all these Sephora stores. This is so cool. It was very exciting. And then the pandemic hit in March. So we didn't really have a great chance to roll the brand out in the way that we had planned. We had to pivot our strategy as everybody did. Um, and, you know, really lean into e-commerce and telling the story of the brand in our, in our own channels and, and through the Sephora opportunities that we had. So it was, it was an interesting time. I mean, 2019 into 2020, it feels like a complete blur. I would say we were building the airplane mid-flight for sure, as a lot of brands feel. We were completely self-funded and we weren't exactly sure what the right paths were. We felt like we were choosing our own adventure at every turn, but um, but so far it's worked out. It's We're definitely in building mode. You're right. You know, the Sephora business requires constant nurturing. I feel like we are gardening those flowers every single day and you have to, you can't let up on it because it is so important to your viability as a brand. And, you know, to be realistic about it too, Sephora are taking on new brands every year and every, every quarter, and there is limited space. So as much as you can have a successful 2020, 2021, you have to keep on keeping up with the demand and the retailer and the growth, um, because it makes sense. You can be in, you can be out and it's not always given. So yeah, you're not always um, you're not always relaxing when it comes to being with a big retailer, but that's also good. It keeps us on our toes and it keeps us motivated. And yeah, I'm like you every week when I get that sales report, I'm like, like, like my heart pumps, and I'm like, can I look? Can I look? Can I look? Oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's good. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, what is it? And, and then yeah, it's hard to know where you sit because in retail specifically, and that's maybe the unfortunate thing about going into retail, which I'm not the biggest advocate for, but it's part of the deal is comparison like I'm all about collaborating less competition and I think retailers want that but unfortunately the way it goes is you know there's rankings right there's if you are better in ranking and you have more sales you get more exposure you get more shelf space you'll get it's just natural and that's kind of hard I think a little bit so how do you kind of deal with that kind of comparison and even worse comparison but not even knowing the other comparative side because you don't have the data well yeah i know that, that quote comparison is the thief of joy it's so true i i know where we sit and i i wish we were sitting at a higher ranking if i'm being totally honest however i also believe that when you're doing something different and you're doing something that there really isn't we we don't have a market yet for the cbd category at sephora it's so still so nascent. There's so much education required. I think there's people don't really understand CBD. I don't, I'm, sh- I, I'm quite convinced a lot of people don't even know we have CBD in our products because we don't scream it very loudly because we believe CBD is one of many ingredients, especially on the florals. We, we have so many, you know, very active florals in our products that power the product. CBD is one of them. And we approach it like we are in this sort of new category of very active floral, botanical skincare. CBD is one of those ingredients. And there really isn't another um, set of brands that that live in that category. We're kind of creating it. It's white space. This, this luxury CBD category is white space. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so I keep saying, okay, that is, that is what we're working to build. And now we're in building mode. Yeah. And it's not about, we're still self-funded. We're totally bootstrapped, even relative to the other um, CBD brands at Sephora. And so... Every single win, every single store that we go into, every relationship that we build with those beauty advisors, we look at that as building on top of, you know, the the foundation. And hopefully that foundation is, you know, going to continue to be nurtured, continue to be watered, and then we will see it bloom. And this is the year for us to do that. So I do look at it a little bit like, you know, there are a lot of brands that are zigging, we're zagging. You know, the big brands at Sephora are not in the luxury space right now. You know, they are more approachable price points. And so we have those headwinds as well. And I just keep, I keep, it's back to when I turned 40, I hit the reset. I told myself, I'm not going to worry about, you know, what, what other people think it's about what I think. I think that our brand has so much beautiful potential to know us is to love us. Now it's about brand awareness and how do we get more, get it into more people's hands and get more people aware of the brand so that they can fall in love with their, with our formulas, the way that we have and the way that our community has our DTC community. Um, So that's really how I think about it. I think it's okay to not be the number one brand at Sephora while you're building something and doing something different. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's, I mean, that's why I tell myself, that's what I also have to tell myself because, you know, it's about also celebrating your wins and I would love to be number one, but if I'm not, it's okay. And there will be a point where I could or couldn't, and that's also okay. But I think um, one thing I would love to kind of ask you about, and I think it's similar to even what I'm dealing with right now and maybe in the few years is, we're also self-funded. We continue to, you know, um, just be family funded and we, we have investors knocking left, right and center. Obviously timing is so important because, um, there's a right time and well, there's not really a wrong and right time, but there's a smart time to when you should take investment or, you know, give a chunk of your company away. Um, we'd love to know sort of your advice on like how, does your, how are you looking at the idea of like, sure, I could get funding at some point and I could probably have a lot more cash to inject in to maybe grow the business. But when, what does that come to at an opportunity cost? Like, what is that thought process for you? 
We have been thinking about that since almost day one of the brand, because like you, we've talked to so many investors and they're very convincing. It's, you need this to grow. And if you, you know, and, and part of me thinks maybe they're right. I mean, I do think there's a lot of, um, a lot of accuracy in when you take on money, it can fund things that you sort of never knew you had, what never knew you needed. Yeah. For us, I've, I've thought, okay, I always want to invest in areas where I know we're testing a little bit, but I sort of know there's going to be an ROI and we're profitable. I mean, we, we could put lighter fluid on what we have with a lot of dollars in in exchange for a big piece of the company. And it's not off the table, but for me, it's about if we did that, it would, it would need to be that I felt a tremendous amount of confidence that they would come with the brand building know-how that I don't necessarily have. Like I've always said, I'm a brand creator. I'm not necessarily as, I'm not as experienced in building brands. I'm learning as I go. I've always created brands. And then I had other companies, Sephora or the wine group really scale those brands into super successful businesses. And so that's not my forte. That's not my expertise. I'm the one who comes in with the fairy dust on the storytelling and the branding and the marketing and the magic and the blue sky, the products, the development, the creation of all of that. There is somebody out there who is going to be better suited at scaling my brand most likely. Um, and I think faster. And so for me, if I were to take on funding, that would be the reason why um, it would be there's somebody who has the magic touch on scaling a business and they can get there faster and see the opportunities that I'm kind of hunting and pecking around. Um, and, and really, I think that would be the dream for St. Jane. I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like if there's somebody who sees the path for us to accelerated growth and getting more St. Jane in people's skincare routines, then that is a win. Um, but until then I'm having a lot of fun learning and I, and we're continuing to grow and year over year, it's been really nice, steady, great growth. Um, so I feel like we're in a good position. And when we do make that decision, you know, we built the business, we've built the foundation and then someone can come in and have that brand building lighter fluid. hundred percent. I think by then it will be the right time at that moment for you. Um, and it will come when when the brand needs it but also when i think as founders we need it too one thing i will maybe add to that is and probably looking at our businesses in correlation is we both have companies in an industry that's quite new disruptive you know mine being the first like ayurvedic indian brand at sephora really talking about rituals and not salon professional hair care and you know uh, it's quite a new thing um that hasn't you know it's going to be getting bigger and bigger um just maybe not the biggest right now um likewise with you you know luxury using definitely cbd etc i think it's harder because there's not many investors out there that have had written success in similar brands because there hasn't been similar brands. So I do think there's a little bit of a job for us to just get, you know, wait for the right time because we're also something quite new to the market. It's a bit more of a potentially a slower growth than something that's just like very commonly like, you know, you see a lot of skincare brands with fruit in it, right? It's very common. Um, So I think like that's the sort of approach I'm thinking about it too is my time will come but I'm okay. I'm enjoying the journey so far. And maybe I think you feel the same. So yeah, we're creating categories. It takes longer. It's not as clear. The path isn't as explosive in 2019. It it felt as though there was going to be this big explosion of CBD success. 
And the category very quickly got saturated. And I remember at the end of 2019, looking at my team and saying, okay, guys, we've got this beautiful luxury brand with CBD as our hero ingredient, you know, one of our hero ingredients, but really the primary hero ingredient. And CBD is also in turkey gravy for Thanksgiving. It's in pillowcases. It's in yoga pants. It's at 7-Eleven. It's at gas stations. How are we going to fight this kind of this saturation of the category and continue to speak to CBD in a way that makes, that does, that pays homage to the flower and the botanical. And so that was our big challenge heading into 2020 was making sure that people really were, were really understanding the why behind CBD and why we put it in our formulas, that it's not just about the buzzword, that it's about the intentionality and the thoughtfulness of this anti-inflammatory superhero in skincare that is even now, you know, three three years later after we launched the brand, still very very misunderstood. So, um, so yeah, I think it's important when you're creating a category to stick to your guns, but also listen to your community and make sure that you're addressing the questions, the doubts, the you know the opportunities that are coming your way. So that's that's where we're at now. I mean, that's where that's where we're at heading into 2022 is really listening to everything that we learned in 2020. 2020 was an incredible, 2021, excuse me, my ears are getting mixed. It was an incredible year for us where we were, we only launched one product. And so we really got to hear from our community. What is that, what is that um, missing? And what can we do now going forward to really meet their needs, meet them where they are, educate them on what they still don't know. Uh, So that's, that's where we're heading for 2022. I love that. Um, And yeah, speaking of product launch i would love just you know you to uh showcase to our um listeners your product range um and kind of tell us a bit about what they do okay so we have a very tight assortment still of products we only have about 10 products and we have we started with our luxury beauty serum which is our crown jewel and that is the product that put us on the map it is a cult favorite it is still our number one product and it's the most award-winning product in CBD skincare worldwide. It's just an incredible formula. Uh, It's borderline medicinal in the benefits for the skin. And I think that's what's so powerful. We have people come to us saying, I had a Harvard calligraphy professor come to me recently and said she suffers from lupus and she used luxury beauty serum 24 hours later, her redness was gone where she's been on prescription medicine for 18 years. And we have people who suffer from eczema and rosacea acne. And this product is just so unbelievably potent for skin issues that I think it's, um, it's cult favorite for a reason. It's, you know, people just really, really are passionate about that formulation. And then we've launched, uh, other products to support that. So we have an incredible 20% vitamin C formula that's really dedicated to brightening the skin. We have a hydrating petal cream that addresses dryness, and that's got beautiful florals, hyaluronic acid, vitamin C, hibiscus peptides, really, really gorgeous, lightweight, but long wear hydration, incredible formula. We've got an eye cream with green tea and resveratrol, a nod to my wine history, and that's for brightening under eye circles, 10% vitamin C, very, very potent. We have lip glosses, which are fun. They're really formulated like lip oils. I wear them at night because they're so nourishing, incredibly clean. We have lip creams, which are color, lipsticks. Yeah, we have a body serum that keeps selling out. Oprah gave us an award for body serum. We cannot keep that product in stock. And it's very indulgent, incredible for the bath. So we've kept the range very tight um, and really focused on problem solution. We want every product to address a skin problem. 
and, and provide really incredible deep benefits. Clean is another important, um, I know it's a buzzword, but it's an important tenant of the brand. When I was at Sephora, I was developing all kinds of, you know, incredible products, fragrances, nail polishes, but um, I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I remember thinking, wow, these are windowless offices and I'm smelling a lot of toxins (laughs) and I don't know what I'm smelling. So my daughter ended up being born actually very small um, relative to my other two daughters, my middle daughter. And the, the, you know, we'll never know why she was smaller. Could have just been genetic, but I remember thinking, could it have also been because I was, you know, breathing things that I probably shouldn't have been breathing in my first trimester. And one doctor asked me if I had been exposed to chemicals and, you know, I kind of flashed back to that time. And I thought if I ever create a brand, then I'm going to take that doubt out of the equation for anyone using our products. I wanted it to be, you know, if I could make a potent, efficacious, clean swap, I was going to do that. And so the brand really is, um, you know, is dedicated to, to clean and non-toxic. Oh, it's amazing. And, and I'll have the, the link in the bio of the episodes. Everyone can go on um, scentjanebeauty.com to check out the products. And I'm sure in all the retailers as well, like Sephora, Cult Beauty. But um, no, I think uh, you're definitely onto something by having a tight assortment of the right products for the right needs, as opposed to just crazy MPD, skew after skew, which I'm sure you've seen in your time at Sephora, which is great for, you know, revenue, but not for brand building long term. It's, it's really, it's really not, I think the future, I think less is more when it comes to creating the right things. So I love that you've done that. Thank you. It's, it's, the, it's the right way to do it. Um, and, and actually something that I think even selling less, like me and my sister, when we created Fable and Maine, we were like, we want to even like not sell our brand to sell our brand. Like, you know, it's like only if you need it, we've created a product for you, but if you don't need it, you don't even need to buy it. It's okay. Because, um, there's a lot of kind of saturation and even kind of people are getting a bit spoiled for choice. I don't even know what is right. And I always say, if you first can fix it with your diet, your kitchen, your, your wellness, your everything, great. Then these are other products for you to even help you in that journey. So that's something that I think we resonate on. Um, but I would love to also go um, kind of out of St. Jane um, before we wrap it up with some fire round questions into sort of your rituals for success, because I know the pandemic has really shaped our lives and especially as founders um, working remotely sometimes and being agile into a different sort of routine, um, sometimes the same, but usually quite different. Uh, what is your kind of average routine like that leads you to your successful day? I think the, the biggest priority for me has to be sleep. I have always needed a lot of sleep. So I really, my whole entire balance, um, obsession is really around sleeping well. If I stop sleeping, I fall apart. And I've always had an issue sleeping ever since I worked at CNN. I used to be an amazing sleeper, could head would hit the pillow, I'd be out. And then working on a morning show, you know, you are you're you go to bed thinking about your segment because it's airing the next morning. And I would just wake up all night remembering things that I needed to do, waking up at 5 a.m chatting with the executive producer. And so I developed this sort of sleep issue. But if I don't sleep, especially as a mom of three, it, everything falls apart. My diet, my ability to exercise, my patience level, my focus level. And so for me, it's all about healthy sleep. And, you know, but, and also exercise. I think the combination of those two things for me, and everyone's so different, but for me, it's, it's sleep and exercise. Um, diet is, you know, I think 
that's where you're supposed to have fun, have fun with your diet, you know, eat things that are incredibly nutritious. I'm very plant-based. Um, but I like to have fun with, with what I eat and I definitely will splurge. I have a sweet tooth, so I don't really spend too much time worrying about the diet side outside of keeping the balance on, you know, making sure you get lots of greens, all that good stuff. But for me, it's about sleep. It's about getting exercise. in. I really do try to get out at least once or twice a day out into fresh air. I was getting migraines for the first time in my life in 2021, which is very weird. And it all came down to, I wasn't sleeping enough and I wasn't exercising enough. And so getting out walking, I think walking can also stimulate creativity. So that's really important for me. You know, that I, the, there's something proven science wise about, you know, one foot in front of the other, uh, really can help your brain, um, think through creative problems and get to solutions quicker. And so I love to just go out and walk and have think time. It really helps me, especially when we have a lot of things going on, all of a sudden clarity happens and it prevents me from my head hitting the pillow and having that be my creative problem solving time. So, so I think the rituals, you know, when I was going through the migraines, which thankfully have kind of subsided, um, taking baths was really important for me, just extreme heat. There was something about, you know, my system that needed that. I've also started, um, trying to incorporate sauna into my routine. Detoxing through sauna is unbelievable. My husband shared an article cause we were trying to get to the root of my headaches. My husband shared an article about how sauna can help headaches, migraine, heart health. And then we started going deeper on how incredibly beneficial that like big sweat detox can be in getting those toxins out of your system. I'm not really one to like sweat when I exercise unless I'm doing really rigorous cardio. And so I think that's been really helpful too, to just sort of like keep the health balance. Um, and then, you know, we also were really big on like smoothies with green juice and things like that in terms of making sure that we're getting all those greens. But yeah, I, you know, every day I think my mission is <laughs> get a good night's sleep. I love that. That's very important. And I mean, I also read as well, um, I don't know if that also is part of your routines, but as a, as a fellow artist in my free time, you love painting as well? I love painting. I oh, love... What's your choice of medium? Is it like oil, gouache, watercolor? What are you... So I love giant canvases. 60 yeah. by 40 is what I work with. Oh, gi that's giant. Wow. Giant. And I do acrylic. I worked with oil. I was an art minor in college. And so I worked with oil in college. And I just... There was something about the terpenes with oil painting that I felt like was yeah. too toxic. Yeah, and so is. I started, yeah. it's terrible. Oh, yeah. I admire the oil painters because I think that you can get a better technique because you've got more, dry, you've got more dry time than you do with acrylic, Exactly. but I love acrylic and I just, I love abstract. It's very therapeutic. My mind goes to a different place. It's the only time that I think about one thing versus a hundred things. And, um, yeah, I involve the kids in it. It's it, we've got a, a downstairs area in our house and it's just full of splatter, splatter paint. Oh, amazing. Oh, I love that. It's such a important creative outflow as well whether you are artistically gifted or not doesn't matter because it's all subject to the eye and every painting is beautiful as long as there's a raw emotion in there I believe so I really think people should really adopt and whenever they need it as a form of even meditation and mindful practice just pick up a paintbrush or even your fingers and paint it's amazing anything what go out take photos anything anything exactly. that gets anything yourself creative. into that yes yes yeah I agree. Fully agree. Fully agree. So um, before we go into fire round questions, I ask all my guests, um, imagine, you know, travel is now picking up, but TSA security is being really tight and they're saying, Casey, 
you can travel, but you can only bring one beauty product with you. And it's one St. Jane product. What is that one go-to of yours? Oh, it would be a toss up between luxury beauty serum and hydrating petal cream. So I have dry skin. Luxury beauty serum would be, well, both of them. I mean, toss up really hard. Both of those formulas. It is, it, it, well, I, would, I, I guess, guess I'd you, have to say luxury beauty serum. I, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a way out. You could actually do the hydrators kit on your site, right? You can get both. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> get two You're for so one. Smart. You're so smart. <laughs> you, know, you, have to, you can always <laughs> trick them a bit. It doesn't matter. Um, so, now, so now we're going to go to fire round questions. First thing that comes to your mind. Um, so the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving? I really love Kyer Weiss's new mascara. I've been really addicted to that. I would say, and I love Kyer Weiss's Clean Mission. Amazing. I love all, I have a really cool beauty brand founder crew. Uh, we all launched around the same time. Um, so Tower 28, Mara Amy's Beauty. Amazing. Yeah. Amy's amazing. Aether Beauty, Tyla, she and I were at Sephora at the same time. Um, Dorian Morris from Undefined, um, Ken- Kendra from Alpen Beauty. So we, I really love, I mean, their products I'm always watching really closely cause I'm cheerleading for them too. Um, but there's so many beautiful, beautiful, clean products out there now that it's kind of hard to choose. I mean, there's, there's, I love, I'm with you on the collaboration over competition. I really believe that yeah. there's room for all of us. We have our different lanes and we're stronger together. So anytime a founder calls me, I'm always like, yes, I'll just learn from me, learn from all my mistakes. Let me tell you everything to do because yeah. I had to learn the hard way. Um, I didn't, I didn't know. And, and you can kind of shortcut it if you have friends in the industry who can help you like, oh, I need a new 3PL. Oh, I need a new accountant. Oh, where's a, oh. where's a great packaging supplier for, you know, holiday sets. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you have people that you can collaborate with, as I'm sure, you know, couldn't agree more. I think that's why we get along because I think you, you are exactly that. You don't just say it, you are it. And I love that. So we need more Casey's out there. So thank you. <laughs> oh, same back at you, back at you. Oh, well, together we're doing it. Um, and then yeah. second question, uh, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? Coffee, coffee and more coffee um plus you you, I literally after this I think I'm gonna get a third coffee it was just so bad but I think I'm gonna have a third one but I kind of like feel like I'm I like sometimes I do like a very single espresso and I just have sipping on it so I feel like it's not a full coffee so I tell myself that but no I do love coffee too (laughs) do you do just espresso or do you add a milk I am, I am, I literally, I do all of them. I do, I'm definitely plant-based. I do like the oats or the, the almonds, but I do like lattes. It just depends on, I guess, where I am. Like if I'm on my desk, I think I prefer like the espressos or Americano because it's more of a sipping thing and, you know, a bit mm-hmm. st- stronger. But um, when I'm out and about, definitely lattes or, or capos. How about you? All day. Well, so I've given up oat milk for January because I'm trying to be very, very healthy this month, which is just miserable. And I miss my oat milk lattes, but I, but now I've, I've been doing macchiatos with, which is just a a few shots. It has to be really good espresso, a few shots with a little bit of almond milk. Almond milk is the best in terms of, you know, it's, there's not a lot of added sugar, I think. So I've been doing that and, um, and Americanos trying to swap out the even though it's not milk milk, it's plant-based milk. I've been trying to swap out the almond milk and the oat milk for, for water to see how that goes. But yeah, I, I, I just, I think coffee is, 
I go to bed at night and I look forward to my coffee the next morning. That placebo effect is so real. I don't even feel that caffeine really makes much difference. It's more the enjoyment I feel of like, I had my coffee. I feel you completely. Yeah, yeah, coffee and then I would say buttery Chardonnay. I really love a good Chardonnay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, you're making me very thirsty now. But <laughs> so third, <laughs> third question is, what are you currently watching or reading? Well, I wish I had more time to read books. It's part of my goals for 2022. I find myself, it's very difficult to read. I want to do more of it. And I love to read. I've always loved to read. So I'm watching Emily in Paris season two. Yeah, season two. So good. Super cute. And I loved Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Did you watch that? I haven't, but I'm going to put it on my list. Is it good? So good. Yeah, Selena Gomez. So good. So cute. So funny. And what else am I watching? Uh, I'm excited for Handmaid's Tale to come back a little on the darker side. I think that is a fascinating show. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. She's awesome. I know. She's so incredible. And I'm sure there are others, but I'm drawing a complete blank. But that, that's great. That, that's uh, already a good inspo for people who are lo- looking for something to watch. Um, what is your favorite social media platform right now? I think I'm on Instagram the most. I've been a bit anti TikTok only because my preteen really want my tween wants to be on there so badly. And so that's a that's kind of a daily, daily argument, daily fight. I think TikTok is fascinating. I love that it's more raw and more funny and more real. But I think I spend the most time on Instagram. I like getting updates from yeah. my friends on their family and their kids. And it's fun watching my my faraway friends' kids grow up. I, I'm the same. Uh, kind of TikTok discovery, Instagram to connect with my, my friends and, and family around the world. So couldn't agree more. Um, I'm adding a new question in, which is, um, do you have a, sort of like a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Quotes are big for me. I would say right now my my favorite there are so many but my favorite i have on my instagram profile my personal instagram profile is um i will make you happy said life but first i will make you strong love that and i love that i think that's very true to my journey and yeah. um you know it's not always rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and yeah. being strong is so important but i love I have a big painting that I made for my girls even before I had children. It's an Elizabeth or uh, um, Eleanor Roosevelt quote: uh, "Do one thing each day that scares you." I think that's a really good one. Yep. And I want my daughters to live by that because getting out of your comfort zone is how you grow and how you learn. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I could go on and on about quotes. Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist. I mean, there's just so many. Amazing, but those are great ones. So thank you. Um, and and my last question is. If you want, well, it's hard because you've done so many things and there's so many things you probably will and can do. But if you weren't right now a beauty entrepreneur, what would you be doing? I would be helping other beauty entrepreneurs create their brands. I think that's where I, I love. I, that. I love and I, well, that's you are I doing it anyway. You know, you already are. I can tell you the way you already help <laughs> everyone. So. so you are that. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's what I ultimately, if I ever, you know, if someone came in, you know, a knight in shining armor, uh, whatever female version of a knight in shining armor is either way comes in and says, I'm going to build St. Jane for you. I think my, my dream would be 
helping other entrepreneurs build their brands, grow their brands, figure out their ethos, their DNA, their magic special sauce and sprinkle that fairy dust for them. I love that. Well, Casey, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the podcast. And I would love um, if you could, you know, share where can everyone find um, your personal uh, socials, if you're willing to share and also the brand St. Jane. Yes, we're at St. Jane, at St. Jane Beauty on Instagram and TikTok. And my personal is at Casey Georgeson. Um, I'm private, but I'm I'm open to connecting with everybody. Um, I keep it private just because it's all my kids, and I don't know if the world <laughs> wants to see that. But um, but yeah, find us find us on social. I love to connect. I read almost every single Instagram message on Saint Jane Beauty. Pretty much every one. I respond to most of them personally. So so find us there. Amazing. Well, I put all the links as I said before in the bio, so you can just quickly hyperlink them and click on them that's great and Casey I hope to see you in person soon uh, but wishing you all the best and success and I'm sure we'll be continuing our conversation offline because there's a lot to talk about absolutely Akash thank you so much this has been so fun you asked really really great questions so thank you thank you thank you hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music podcast the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.